2: We see this like weaponization of the term cancel culture now against the communities who are trying to hold to account, trying to educate, trying to stand up for justice. And it's this very easy shutdown, like Snowflake was of you're too sensitive, you're trying to cancel us. Like there's this undertone of like, you're just a bunch of Stalinists.
3: From VICE and Brent 2020, London Borough of Culture, this is VENT Documentaries. Young people from one London borough telling you the stories we care about. This is series three, where we're talking about justice. I'm Amber.
0: The origins of cancel culture are really interesting. The concept of cancelling somebody first really appeared in Wesley Snipes' film.
3: Aja Romano, culture reporter for Vox. Back in
0: 1991, he plays this gang leader. And in one scene, um, his character, Nino, his girlfriend has left him. And he's just like, cancel that bitch, I'll buy another one. <laughs> yeah, and it's this very, very jarring, misogynistic joke. But it yeah. sort of uh, got threaded into popular Black culture. You hear it referenced in 2010 in a rap song uh, by Lil Wayne. So that idea that you can cancel a person, I think sort of got its start there. And then it shows up again at the end of 2014, which is really right before canceling started to be a thing. In an episode of Love and Hip Hop New York these two cast members who've been in a relationship are fighting. One of them just gets very done with the other one and he's just like, You're canceled. You're canceled. You're canceled. Canceled. Right. (laughs) And that moment sort of went low-key viral on black social media. People started joking, like using it as a joke the way he kind of did initially. Like, you're canceled.
1: You're canceled
0: and it's all very individualistic at this point right like it's one person being like i'm going to remove this celebrity from my you know from my music playlist or whatever you know like mm-hmm. it's a very individual kind of of one-on-one boycott and as that caught on it kind of took on a more collective meaning of like a collective cultural boycott of somebody trying to use like the collective voice of a group that maybe doesn't ordinarily have much power, Mm. but, you know, as individuals, right? Especially if you're talking about Black culture where this term originated marginalized members of the black community may not have the power as individuals to to speak back to somebody with like a celebrity with a lot of influence and a lot of attention and a lot of mainstream media interest. Right. Right. But as a group, you can collectively say, um, speak back to something that they did that you don't like or, or something that's problematic. Yeah. Um, and you can call out their behavior and you can say, we're choosing collectively to ignore you from this point on.
3: I use Twitter basically every day. I love the memes, black Twitter banter, and the social activism. One of the things I see a lot on Twitter is people getting canceled. I log on, everyone is suddenly ranting about a particular person. You do a bit of searching, type in a few words, and then you find that someone has said something controversial or someone's found some old tweets. And then there's this huge debate that blows up for like a day or two, and then this one to the next person. I feel like I'm watching things play out in the court of Twitter, but I can't really work out if it's making anything better. Looking at the history of cancel culture the way Aja describes it, you could say cancelling is part of a long lineage of grassroots social justice movements.
0: Obviously, civil rights boycotts that happened back in the 60s have a lot in common with the idea that you can cancel a person, right? Because it's all about collectively speaking truth to power, using your collective power as a group that you don't necessarily have because of the way you're systemically
3: oppressed, essentially. But my question is, does cancelling work? When you
0: look at somebody like Louis C.K.
3: Okay, not going to lie, I have not heard of this person. Turns out, Louis C.K. is a very famous and successful American comedian. Anywho,
0: back in 2018, basically like longstanding accusations that had sort of flown under the radar for years came to light.
2: So I gotta ask you about uh, this whole Louis C.K. situation. Yeah, you're the story, right? I sure have. Uh,
0: he basically used to call women uh, that he would do comedy shows with into his dressing room and ask if he could masturbate in front of them. Oh, what? And of course, they wouldn't feel like they could say no because he's this giant famous comedian and they're whoever they are, right? Wow. And we'll never know the exact number, but like a number of them came forward and talked about him doing this and how creepy it was. So, this is why he was canceled over. Like, it was a big deal. <laughs> um, when he was called out, his career pretty much dried up on the spot, right? And he issued initially a a very sincere apology that had all of the, that was widely praised in the mainstream media, right? It had all the right notes.
3: Is it good that he owned up uh, to it t- today? I think it's great. I
0: Acknowledged did right wrong. I liked that it took responsibility. You know, talked about like his really, sincere regret. That he really seemed to understand how he hurt these people. Acknowledged how he was gonna way. change. And I got the feeling that he was really going to take action to work on himself and really try to better himself. Except then 18 months later, like after he said he was going to take a long time to just step back and listen and learn, he showed up doing these very regressive, very reactionary, very angry, bitter comedy sketches. They were dripping in homophobia, transphobia, um, racism, ableism. He mocked the Parkland shooting, like he mocked shooting victims (laughs) of the Parkland shooting his entire show was basically just kind of a giant fuck you to all of his previous fans Jesus after that quote unquote sincere apology like his entire comedy routine became about basically how unfairly maligned he'd been because he because of what he did and what he did again was sexually assault uh, his co-workers you know
3: (laughs) it's not sincere is it it just cancels out the whole apology right
0: it undermines the entire like
3: practice of making an apology to begin with it's like Saying, for example, instead of saying, I'm sorry, I made you feel that way. It's like, I'm sorry if you felt like this and then continuing to do it. Like, it's not a sincere apology. What a joke, man. I don't want to. Wow. (laughs) Like, he's crazy. Yeah, it
0: sucks.
1: (laughs) It does amaze me as someone that gets nearly daily abuse myself on that platform is that I would say about 95% of the misogynist or transphobic abuse I get that I report doesn't get taken down.
3: This is another journalist and internet expert I spoke to, Sean Fay. So
1: I tend to write about um, topics that are really relevant to this, I think, like LGBT rights, trans rights specifically, feminism, mental health, stuff like that.
3: Something I've noticed is that cancel culture is quite selective, some famous people tweet offensive stuff all the time and nothing seems to happen. Then other people make one mistake and they're getting dragged on the TL. Right wing people
1: seem to do very well on Twitter. And I would say the thing about cancel culture is sometimes I worry that it actually always gets the soft targets. Like it never, none of the most, the people who really are doing most harm get cancelled. And when you think about, like, some of the most, like, twisted Steve Bannon or, the, like, people, you know, around Trump or propagandist for austerity or whatever, that, you know, people... It's almost like the people doing the worst stuff don't get cancelled.
3: Kind of like when that comedian Louis C.K. came out with all those mad offensive comedy sets after his apology for sexually harassing his colleagues.
0: He then got um, booked on sold out shows around the country mm. because now he has all a bunch of new fans who are really into that kind of of transgressive, right, regressive yeah. humor and they want to see that comedy. So now he just has a whole new, really toxic, uh, awful fan base, mm. but he didn't necessarily get canceled. Right. Like he still has jobs. He still is. He's performing sold out shows. Yeah. You can make the argument that cancel culture got really amplified by people who were getting canceled and who were upset about it, you know. (laughs) Many politicians have claimed that they've been canceled, but their career goes on. Kanye West claimed to have been canceled many, many times. His career still went on. Um, Yeah, R. Kelly still is very popular and we've oh known about God. his yeah, him. problematic behavior for a very, very long time.
3: For like over 20 years.
0: Right, right. Yeah. Mel Gibson, I mean, maybe the biggest example or recent example of all of somebody who maybe should have lost his career forever when he when he proved himself to be a raging anti-Semite yeah. and a homophobe to boot, but who didn't.
2: Part of the reason that I think social media has damaged our movement. This is an Im
3: They're an activist based in London who does a lot of thinking about how to use the internet as a tool
2: for activism. Is that what's happening right now is there's a bunch of kind of leftist progressive language because it's on social media and lots of people have access to it. Mm. uh, And we see this with things like AAV, uh, African American Vernacular English of like, when... Liberal white people suddenly start hearing the word woke or Karen yeah. or all of these things because they, get they can, so triggered. <laughs> they do, but they yeah. can see it, now. and so then they start using it themselves. That's the other yeah, thing, yeah, and yeah. so it gets co-opted, and yeah. so woke means nothing anymore. Yeah, <laughs> like, and I think the same has happened with cancel culture, which is that we've now got liberal white elites co-opting this language of cancel culture because they they've seen us use it. Yeah, and I think now what it means is. It's a bit like what happened with Snowflake. It's like this accusation against other people because you're doing it yourself.
3: Yes, yeah. They
2: keep saying, this is cancel culture. You're This person has said this like racist thing and you're trying to cancel them. And it's like, none of us are trying to cancel them. We don't have the power to cancel them. And I see this around the conversation around transphobia right now. Let me put it, like, rather than be abstract, I'll put it into a specific example, which is that there's this idea that trans people or trans allies are trying to cancel people with transphobic views. Mm. But the people that we're talking about are people like J.K. Rowling with yeah. over 14 million followers. She's a billionaire. Like, How can you even cancel someone like that? Yeah, like, we can't cancel, like... And so we see this, like like, weaponization of the term cancel culture now against the communities who are trying to hold to account, trying to educate, trying to stand up for justice. Yeah. Uh, And it's this very easy shutdown, like Snowflake was, of you're too sensitive, you're trying to cancel us. Like, there's this undertone of, like, you're just a bunch of Stalinists. That's really what the undertone of it is.
0: There's this trend of calling cancel culture the problem. Mm. There's this trend of saying cancel culture is ruining everything. It makes it very easy for someone who's quote-unquote been cancelled to just say, oh well, I'm being attacked by a mob.
3: The way Aja and Nim talk about cancel culture, it's like it doesn't really exist. It's just this term that's used by powerful, usually right-wing people to avoid being held accountable for harmful things they've done. The thing is, though, even though the term cancelling gets used in this disingenuous way, social media is still really powerful. When people decide to turn on someone on Twitter, it can ruin careers or lives. But usually that only happens to people with much less power. That's next.
1: Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place.
3: So it seems like there is a trend of right-wing people claiming that they're being cancelled to kind of distract from the harm that they're causing. But there's this other type of cancelling that exists in my world.
1: It really annoys me, I have to say, as an LGBT person, uh, when
3: people dig up old tweets. Oh, yeah. Sean Faye. This happened to Stormzy. Back in 2017, someone found some tweets by Stormzy which were years old. They were really bad. <laughs> they used homophobic slurs and just generally mocked gay people. He did a really good apology, you know, as he
1: should, and it was a really good one. But it annoys me because it's like... It was from when he was a teenager, and it annoys me because one, obviously, again, black men kind of get framed as more homophobic than white men when there's very little evidence for that. Yeah, exactly. Two, I don't really know of many straight men who weren't homophobic because like, growing up as like a femme person... Around straight boys, yeah. I would say that when I was 15, I don't think there were many straight boys who weren't massive homophobes yeah. and didn't say homophobic stuff. So it's kind of like, yeah, well, some of these prejudices that society trains us to be like, if you're if you're straight, society does kind, of, and you're a boy, it, t- it kind of encourages you to be homophobic. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Actually, it's just because the tweets are there. Like, actually, if you if you found out if you could record what most people were saying during men were saying in their teenage years, I think you'd probably find homophobia in a lot of places. And it's kind of like, what is the purpose of this?
3: This trend of digging up old tweets, it happens all the time. Like, for example, there's a YouTuber called Nella Rose. She made some very dodgy jokes when she was younger on social media. People found them and Twitter erupted. People were actually coming for her, sending death threats and all sorts. No amount of apologies or saying that she changed made any difference. People hated her.
1: I know like 10 years ago when I first joined Twitter, I was never someone that was like into being mean to people and I thought you don't talk about people's bodies because it's impolite. But like I didn't understand the, like how systemic something like fat phobia is. So it's something I've got like, really learned on now. Yeah. But I was socialized into thinking, well, thinness is better and you know, you should praise people who've lost weight and diets are great yeah, and stuff course, like that. Yeah. And that's something I've learned about by being on Twitter.
3: And I feel like everyone's got something like that that they've learned yes, yeah. about. I know for a fact, like, being a black girl, like, I've experienced a lot of issues surrounding, like, colorism, like, uh. where, you know, lighter-skinned people are favored over dark skinned people. And it's funny because being someone who has a darker complexion, when I was younger, and this is nowhere to incriminate myself, it's just the truth, mm-hmm. but when I was younger, like, in secondary school, like, in year seven, I used to join in with the banter of, like, getting at people that were darker than me and that was literally the banter at the time and that's not making an excuse for it but that is literally just the culture and environment that I was living in and I wouldn't of course like if someone was to see for example that I wasn't even on Twitter when I was in year seven but if for example I was on Twitter and I was making kind of like colorist remarks against other people if someone was to bring them up I'd definitely appreciate you know like them being brought to light in a way to illustrate that colorism is wrong but to be held accountable, I'm not sure how like effective that would be for myself because I know at 20 years of age now that I definitely hold different opinions and I think it's not anyone's place necessarily to play the role of like judge and jury. Yeah, you have to give people the benefit of the doubt. Which is kind of my thing about who's actually qualified to cancel
1: people and who isn't. Yeah, it's interesting because because obviously, one, you were so young, but also... It's that bizarre thing where you were also, like, you might have been a perpetrator of it, but you were a perpetrator because you were a victim. And that's something we don't ever think about enough. Some of the nastiest things I've heard about trans women are from other trans women. Because it's like, it's this internalised self-hatred thing about not wanting to seem like, you know, the more passable you are, the more pretty you are, the more you succeeded. And for some trans women, that their way to make themselves feel better because they've got really... Bad self image <laughs> is is that you take it out on someone yeah, someone else. Hundred percent. And obviously, I think that's really really different to. It's a different kind of conversation you need to have about that. To a, a cisgender person who doesn't ever has never experienced transphobia, yeah. doing yeah, that, that because the motivations are really really different, yeah. and the the way that you stop the harm there is to help the person build up self esteem about whatever it is that they feel insecure about, that society's made them hating themselves, and then that will encourage them not to do it to other people. Yeah. And actually, I I feel like the answer to that is not to cancel someone. The answer to that is obviously to try and create self-esteem and to give them ways to learn more about
3: why they think the way they do. If I was to use a a colorist term against another black girl or another black boy, I would literally be talking about myself. Mm. At another date, it's a clear example of self-hate, like you were saying, and it's internalised. So instead, what people should be doing is encouraging a change of mindset, but encouraging self-love and encouraging education about, like, possibly why you feel the way you do about yourself, blah, blah, blah. Like, that's, I think, a more effective way of going about things. This is something I wonder about with Nella Rose. I was kind of sad when people tried to cancel her, because I felt like she was doing really positive things to the community. Yes, what she said was wrong, but she tweeted it when she was like 13 years old and now she's 23 and has obviously changed. Do you feel like these people's tweets are being dug up because they have a positive um, public platform, like when they're defending either LGBT rights or black rights? And do you believe like they're kind of like being dug up to derail the work they're doing now? Uh, yeah, I do think sometimes
1: blatantly what is happening is it's not so much someone's being held accountable and that's not the purpose of it. it, it it's not an accountability process. It, it's a um, it's a deliberate attempt to derail or to um, mm. to bring someone down. And again, that's where I think people from minorities get targeted more. Yeah. There was an author called Damien Barr who, um, who had campaigned to have a Tory Baroness who's very transphobic removed from the committee of a prize because he he's an author and he thinks she should be because of her transphobic views, and they dug up these really old tweets about him where he'd used the word tranny and he had he had made gross really gross transphobic jokes, but again I was like well yeah a lot of gay men 10 years ago before the conversation around trans people was happening more mainstream yeah a lot of gay men were really really transphobic and it's good that a lot of them have like moved on and learned and realized actually well the same people that don't like trans people don't tend to like gay people mm. so I kind of was like why are you digging like it just seemed very cynical because it was like someone went through and found these transphobic tweets yeah and I was like yeah but he's not being trans he's changed mm. so fundamentally that's what I care about more
3: I wonder the same thing about Stormzy. Did someone go looking for a problematic thing he did when he was younger to undermine the positive stuff he's been doing for the black community in the UK now? Cancel culture can sometimes be used as a weapon against people who are trying to do good things, and it seems like the people it's easiest to actually cancel are the people with less power, not always the people doing the most harm. According to Aja Romano, Social media isn't designed to help us like get justice when people do harm. It's just designed to make you react and to keep scrolling and commenting.
0: The way that algorithms work are is basically essentially to amplify the extreme points of view so that you feel like you're only being faced with extreme points of view and that makes your own point of view more extreme in response, which is a whole terrible side effect of social media that I don't think really gets addressed enough. Yeah. But the amplification of extreme viewpoints means that everything seems louder and angrier than it actually is. It obviously makes the, makes everything appear to be a
3: giant hot topic when it necessarily, it doesn't necessarily have to be. And this causes more and more polarization online. You have so many people who
0: are, only getting fed extremist viewpoints and then they're becoming um, radicalised. They're becoming um, extremists themselves yeah. because they're being funnelled um, by, like, you know, algorithms on YouTube, by algorithms on, on social media, on Facebook, etc., that are only feeding them the most extreme types of news and, in many cases, only feeding them, you know, conspiracy theories and, yeah. and fake news.
1: I do think, as well, we have to, like, look at, like, How human beings react. Yeah, in an ideal world, if someone's called out on Twitter, they'd respond perfectly. They'd they'd take a step back, they'd apologize, but people don't. Because sometimes when loads of people are getting you and you're getting like hundreds of attacks, people's body goes into like fight or flight and they actually sometimes it makes them worse. Yeah. It doesn't actually work in getting them to like actually stop and consider what they're saying. Yeah. Um, So I do think we have to think about that sometimes is that I don't always know that Twitter's the best. Or in Instagram or whatever, all
3: these big call-outs
1: are necessarily the best thing. Yeah.
3: I know there are huge problems with social media, but also coronavirus, lockdowns, a lot of my activism at the moment has to take place online. So this is kind of a big question. Do you think that the internet and social media is a force for good in the world or a force for bad?
2: Oh that's a big question. <laughs> That is a big (laughs) question. (laughs) Ralph. My inclination is to say both. Mm -hmm. There's ways that it is really advanced and supported our social movements, social awareness, activism. And I think there's huge ways in which I think we've lost... I think one of the significant things that we've lost through social media is uh, trust and a sense of cultural trust.
3: Yeah.
2: I think... The cultural dependence on social media is Mm what is bad. I think people thinking of it as the strategy of activism as opposed to the tactic or tool of activism Mm -hmm. is harming us. Right. But I think that that's about how we use it rather than that it exists.
3: Okay, so if we think of social media as a tool for activism, one tool of many that are available to us then maybe cancelling people is a tool which is a little bit broken. Like, a screwdriver that's worn down and doesn't really fit in most screws anymore. But there's still a million screws loose. People are still causing harm online, saying horrible, racist, transphobic, sexist stuff. If cancelling them doesn't work, can social media still be a tool to combat these people in a different way?
1: it's about like what sort of society do you want do you want the society where people are encouraged to stop harming others whatever that looks like or do you want one where people are punished yeah and th- and that that's a huge difference and i actually don't you know i'm there have been people who have who have devoted hours of their time to harassing me stalking me basically online but those people all i want is for them to stop and to get you know really i don't want them to be punished i want them to be i want the harm they're causing me and other people to be stopped yeah where i start from is if what is going on here is someone causing harm mm. and if they're causing harm
3: what the ultimate thing is for the harm to be stopped Powerful people who have been cancelled still find new ways to do harmful stuff? And people who get the most grief on Twitter for saying offensive things often did it years ago and might not even think like that anymore. It's like we're just punishing people, but not necessarily changing anything. I think in a lot of ways it's really
1: easy to understand why people turn to punishment because we're hurt and we're angry and it's a very human thing to want to lash out at others
3: hey amber hey lauren how are you i'm not bad how you doing
2: i'm good 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 okay so just for the benefit of listeners i'm lauren i'm the presenter of next week's episode of vent documentaries who that voice you just heard that's morgan M. page she's someone i spoke to for my documentary she thinks a lot about punishment punishment
1: doesn't work it fundamentally doesn't we can look back at the entire span of human history and see that nothing has ever fundamentally changed because of punishment all you can do is maybe scare someone or force someone into not doing one particular thing but you're not changing the system that made that happen in the first place.
2: Yeah, so I made a whole documentary on prison abolition, and I found out that being an abolitionist is about so much more than the criminal justice system. It means erasing punishment as a tactic to remove harm in all aspects of your life, including social media. <laughs> Great. So yeah, it comes out next Monday and I think you should listen. It might have some answers for you. Oh my God, yeah,
3: I actually can't wait to hear it, to be honest. Thank you for listening to VENT Documentaries. I'm Amber. VENT Documentaries are produced by Jess Lawson and Ali Adninton with help from Amelia Gill, Moeed Majeed and Kamaya Shea. Our music is from WMP Studios. VENT is a collaboration between VICE and Brent 2020, London Borough of Culture.